Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader, and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult, and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 24 of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Dr. Michael Lubelfeld. I'll read the full name there, but we'll call him Mike throughout. Uh, Superintendent of Schools at North Shore School District 112. And Mike has served as a public school superintendent in Illinois since 2010. He currently serves as the superintendent of schools in the North Shore School District 112 in Highland Park and Highwood, Illinois, north of Chicago. Lubelfeld has presented on leadership topics around the state, nation, and world, and he is active in leadership development with state and national associations. He co-authored the 2017 book, The Unlearning Leader, Leading for Tomorrow's Schools, the 2018 book, uh, Student Voice, From Invisible to Invaluable, and his latest book, The Unfinished Leader, A School Leadership Framework for Growth and Development, was released in May. Mike was awarded the 2021 Administration and Supervision Distinguished Alumni Award from Loyola University of Chicago School of Education. And Mike and his wife, Stephanie, have two children and they live in suburban Chicago. And I am so uh, pumped for our conversation today. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Welcome, Mike. All right, Jono, thank you so much. It's really an honor and a treat to be here with you today. Thank you so much for sitting down for a conversation. I wish I was with you live in person, but one of these days uh, we will be. Yes, well, as we as we said before we started recording, uh, open invitation to come and visit me in Brisbane anytime you're in Australia. And uh, for listeners, beautiful part of the world. I'm a little bit biased. I've been here my whole life, but I do love it. But uh, also with borders starting to open, you know, we're recording this in November 2021 hopefully i will get to uh, to be over your way in the in the near future so yes ideally we'll be able to sit down sit down live but this is a, this is a good start <laughs> why don't you tell us agreed agreed i love sorry you go i love oh no i'm sorry john i love the power of technology so i love that we are connected and we are live even though we're just uh, a few miles away yeah that's right well for listeners, I love to give people a bit of a, a bit of an insight into the context of someone I'm chatting with. So tell us what it's like to be superintendent of schools, um, and uh, tell us about your district and, and just the context, the, the the schools that are part of the district, the number of uh, staff, a number of teachers, number of students. Tell us those sort of things, Mike. All right. It is my pleasure. So I'm really lucky and I consider myself really fortunate to be the superintendent of schools. In Illinois, we've got about 853 public school districts and they're either uh, pre-K, pre-kindergarten through eighth grade, uh, grades nine through 12 or pre-K through 12. So it's a little strange. I'm an elementary school superintendent. I've got grades pre-K through eight in 10 schools, one preschool for children ages three and four, seven elementary schools for children in grades kindergarten through grade five, and two middle schools 
uh, grades six through eight, and all of our students matriculate into Highland Park High School, which is um, within our, our boundaries, but it's a separate school district. So we serve about 3,800 students. We have about 551 employees, uh, 400 roughly are teachers, and the remainder are education support staff personnel, um, like paraprofessional teacher assistants, nurses, uh, maintenance workers, administrative assistants. And of course, you've got about 30 administrators um, who make up the, the leadership team. We are governed by a seven member elected school board and I uh, work directly for the school board. And while I'm the chief executive officer, I'm also uh, the chief communication officer, chief cheerleader, uh, chief everything. But the bottom line is, as I tell the leadership team, superintendent really rents space from the community that she or he is privileged to serve and the board is the community so in our district we serve uh, whoever lives there it's uh, the public schools and that's what makes it really cool and really great in terms of racial and ethnic breakdown about 64 percent of our children are white or caucasian about 2% are black or African-American, 3% Asian, about 25 to 30% of our students identify as being Hispanic or Latino, and um, about 25% of our students qualify for what we call free and reduced lunch, Jono, and that would be um, somewhat economically disadvantaged. So we've got a really neat mix, uh, almost a microcosm of the USA, um, uh, you know, in terms, we're a little light on Asian and, and Black uh, folks in the demographic, but in terms of economics and just a mixture of people, it makes it a really cool and challenging uh, place to lead. Yeah, it's uh, it's in, it's incredible. Thank you for giving us that snapshot. That's really helpful. And uh, now tell us about Mike. Tell us your story. You can go back as far as you want to uh, to when you were even uh, growing up, but interested particularly in knowing some specific moments that shaped Mike Lubelfeld becoming who you are today. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that opportunity. So I come from a, a city uh, just northwest of Chicago, Illinois, called Des Plaines, Illinois. It's uh, not far from Chicago O'Hare International Airport. So if you ever fly in, you're flying in close to where I grew up and I've spent my entire life. I'm 53. So all 53 years, I've spent probably within 15 miles of the airport, believe it or not. So come from a middle class uh, family. My parents were born in Chicago. All four grandparents were born um, out of the United States. So a little bit of the American dream. They left the old countries and came here for a better life. Um, some suffered after the Great Depression, but built back up after the, the, the war and the boom. So really, you know, culturally, like typical American um situation. My sister, my eldest sister was the first woman in our family to go to college and then go beyond. She's an attorney. So um, some cool stuff like that. You know, I'm the youngest of four. So I enjoyed um, way more lenient parents, <laughs> I suppose, <laughs> growing up. Yeah. And <laughs> the reason I, you know, I think my brother and sisters wore them out, tell you the truth. <laughs> but I will say, when I entered college, and this this will make sense in a couple of minutes, when I entered college um, as a really young and looking back immature 18-year-old boy, clearly I was not equipped um, for that responsibility. 
Um, and mm. I think it was pretty cool that uh, when I attended my first university, uh, my first freshman year, we all had such a good time together that they agreed and I agreed that I probably should, you know, go elsewhere. And Jono, now that I'm <laughs> running a school system, which I find to be ironic, you know, considering my <laughs> really humble, um, you know, and a little bit wild beginnings, I just chuckle because it, it has helped me through all these decades to really give people a second and sometimes third chance. So flash forward to going to college the second four years, did a nice job there, um, grew up a mm. bit, uh, got some decent grades, learned how to read, write, and all that good stuff as a grown-up. And then I became a teacher. And I became an eighth grade teacher. And I taught uh, social studies, which in, in that context was the United States history, which mm. uh, surely is um, not all that long, right? You know, especially <laughs> talking to a guy from Australia, you got way longer history, but uh, US history and a bit of civics and government and stuff like that. And the man who offered me my first job, a man named Jim Newland, impressed upon me the value of looking beyond test scores, uh, transcripts, or stereotypical uh, artifacts that allegedly make people successful. So, you know, I'm a 23, I guess, I don't know, 24-year-old at that point, whatever it was, and I got a job, and Jim is like, you know, we took a chance on you, but, you know, your original transcripts were really bad, so <laughs> you might want to be mindful of that. So thanked him for that. I was kind of naive and kind of dumb, but Jim also saw that I, I had stuff in me, teaching skills, aptitude, intelligence, a bit of maturity after the fact, and also some leadership skills, Jono. And in my second year of teaching, he recommended me for a district-wide leadership post in addition to teaching. And again, that was unusual, but that allowed me to understand how districts worked real early in my career. Yeah. Jim also helped mentor me to get my advanced degrees, get my administrative licensure, and to go into a school district that would offer me greater upward mobility. So reluctantly, I left Jim uh, under his orders, under his direction, and uh, my, my career, my opportunities flourished. And, and I really you know, want to emphasize the fact that I started out stumbling in kind of a rocky reality. And, and whether a lot of people do or don't, I got lucky, I got a chance. So my whole career and my whole life and four degrees later, you know, doctorate included and all that, yeah, I've been uh, mindful about leadership development. And um, I just wanted to kind of give you that background to share that I've sort of lived life a little bit, as they say, and I've always given people a more 360 degree viewpoint as I view them. Yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing that and, and sharing uh, so honestly about your story. And I have found it fascinating working with schools. I think I'm always surprised the number of people in the room when I'm working with a school leadership team or a, you know, a, a group of executives from schools, the number of people who had some sort of, there's a negative element to their experience in education when they were growing up and it shapes them to want to change that for young people today. And I love hearing that about you. You, you talk about how you went into that first degree and uh, you went into that first college and it wasn't it wasn't a positive experience. 
but that has shaped you to see others and go, no, I I, want to give you a second chance and a third chance because I've been there and I've walked through it. And uh, I think that's, that gives you unique empathy for people that others wouldn't have. I appreciate that. I've got to tell you, a school superintendent's kind of a bizarre, goofy, mysterious position because there's only one of us, right? And (laughs) what's neat about it is done properly or done right with an awesome school board. And I've had three school districts where I've been able to be a superintendent, all in the Chicago metropolitan area. And I've had three boards over all these years who've been really good folks, good men and women who have given me a chance as their leader. And they've allowed me to, to lead. They've allowed me to succeed. They've allowed me to fail. They've allowed me to come back to it. And by modeling that at the top level of an organization, they've really helped push the other folks around me to feel comfortable about trying what's best for the students, of course, first and foremost. But again, as as an employer or the agent of the employer, never forget, it's also for the teachers and the adult educational support staff that we're working with too. We wanna make their experiences just fantastic and ideal so that they may do that and create the conditions for the for the youth we're serving. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's that's so important having a good relationship with with the board. And I, I want to ask you more about that in a moment. Uh, but I want to come back to your. I'm interested to know for for listeners out there who might be thinking, "Oh, wow, I really relate to Mike. I haven't done well in 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 education, or that hasn't been a highlight for me." But I do feel so passionate about say leadership how did you reconcile that and and how did you how did you transition from from struggling in that in that first college to ending up with with three degrees what was that what do you think was the key in that journey in terms of self-belief or and and reconciling that and not not letting it really limit you and get you down God, that's awesome. Okay, so when I came home from my first university, and I literally lived at home for the next four years <laughs> with my parents, um, I went, I transferred to the University of Illinois at Chicago, and they accepted me, um, you know, as, as, a, as a student um, and all of that with warts and all. And I went into the political science department. And I will tell you, my first year, I really did struggle because I, the basic skills and all that were, were something I, I didn't really have study skills. But I had some good professors and I had good support at home. And I just also started to grow up a bit, you know, slowly how that sort of happens. Yeah. And I found I was really interested in the, um, the reading, writing and arithmetic for, for lack of, uh, of something more interesting. And then when I got into political science, really delving deeper into world history, classic civilization, um, things that went, had gone on from, from the Middle Ages beyond. I had professors that were just really relatable human beings and really relatable <laughs> people. Mm. And um, something just clicked, John. I don't know what it was, but I will say Dr. Kevin Lyles, professor my junior year of college. I was really getting good grades and I was really into it. He taught all of us in our classes how to write, like technical writing and that technical writing and that thoughtful writing and that higher level communication has stayed with me my whole life. And I actually credit him for allowing me ultimately to go get my doctorate and write my dissertation and also help publish three books, you know, with uh, three books published. 
But I will say the short answer is people in my life, teachers, professors, um, others, um, and then employers who were able to coach, guide, and mentor and support me sometimes overtly and sometimes just quietly. Can I tell you one anecdote about a professor that really impacted me? Yeah, please. All right. So there's a guy named Professor Andrew McFarland. Um, really neat guy, really quirky guy, like stereotypical professor. And the course was the American presidency. And this is so bizarre because like this is, you know, years ago, more than 30 years ago. Long story short, I was a decent student. I was doing well. I was really interested. We had small classes. So we have a final exam, right? And I can't recall if it was the fall final or winter final or the end of year final. Anyway, I'm home with my mom and dad. Um, I must be 20 years old or something. And I'm in having dinner with them. I remember this vividly. About 5.30 in the evening, phone rings. And I'm like, hello. And he's like, Mike? I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah, this is Professor McFarland. I'm like, Dr. McFarland? He said, listen, Mike, uh, today on the final, uh, you know, we were doing the Blue Book finals. I don't know if you had them there, but they were the essays, the long form essay finals. Um, and he's like, Mike, you didn't answer one of the questions. So if I just graded it, you'd get an F. He said, but I know you're a better student than that. And I want to give you a shot because I figure you just overlooked it. So here were the uh, the two choices. I'd like you to choose one and talk me through it. So, Jono, on the phone, um, Dr. McFarland took the time to call me. We did an oral exam. Um, I answered the question, got an A on the final, got an A in the class. And that man and his approach to teaching impacted me for the five years I was an eighth grade teacher and sixth grade teacher. And for the 15 years so far that I've been a graduate professor adjunct to really know your students and care about your folks and just give people a break at a time. And, and he still made me, you know, demonstrate competency and show I learned it and all that. But he didn't just say, yeah, the guy didn't answer it. So boom. Um, and I think that is really something I would share with folks to realize there is good in people. Um, and, and not everybody fits into a, you know, uh, a black and white type of box or scenario. Yeah, that's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. What advice would you give to people out there, even if even if they're not teachers, even if they're not in education, around what you've learned to see the good in students and see the good in people? Is there anything that you've learned uh, around how to do that and how to really give people a second chance, anything, anything practical that you've sort of picked up over your career so far? Absolutely. So there's a book called The Leadership Challenge written by Kuzis, K-O-U-Z-E-S and Posner, P-O-S-N-E-R. It's been around for, for a long time. They did some research of leaders across industries and what workers liked in them. And there's an acronym of five letters and it's five concepts. And my direct answer to your question is embody these five concepts in whatever it is you're doing, whether you're an auto mechanic or a lawyer or you're in forestry or a doctor or whatever. Um, M is model the way. I is inspire a shared vision. C is challenge the process. E is enable others to act through empowerment. And four is encourage the heart, kindness, and love. So the acronym is MICE. E, M-I-C-E-E. -E. And I'm telling you, 
the embodiment of those five, uh, you know, complex principles that I'm overly simplifying with the acronym, but you embody those in whatever you do, you're going to make those around you better. You're also going to be more impactful and more um, effective in whatever it is that you're doing. Mm. Yeah, that that's uh, it's a it's a great book, and if anyone out there hasn't uh, hasn't seen it before, I'd I'd highly recommend it. And yeah, I think those the just thinking of the the acronym and the mice e is like the, starting with model the way that's it, it's so it's so true the further and and the more I, I chat with leaders and the longer i i uh, i work around leadership the more i come back to those ideas and go yeah that is true model if you're not modeling the way if you're not doing what you're saying you're going to do if you're not actually following through and walking the walk that you're telling others to do everything else is very hard. It, it, it's very hard to build trust if you're not modeling the way. Great point. A hundred percent, hundred percent. I agree. Absolutely. If we come back to Jim Newland, I'm interested to know what was it about Jim Newland apart from giving you a, giving you a chance as a, as a leader and giving you these opportunities. If you reflect on Jim's leadership, what was it in particular you think that made Jim such a great leader? I want to say overall his kindness. Um, Jim is a, is a, was a United States Marine during the uh, Vietnam War in the 60s. So pretty hardcore, pretty, pretty rough stuff. Um, mm. But Jim was also from a family that had the Quaker religious beliefs. And so right there, that's pretty cool even to look deeply into that. Yeah. But Jim had a kindness yet a strength about him at the same time. Um, he always sought to figure out the story. He always sought to find out what was going on. Um, and then he would do what needed, what needed to be done. So for example, in dealing with students, I watched him, uh, counsel first, try to find out core, uh, interests and family and concept. Yet when he needed to meet out consequences, because there were some, you know, scenarios where children, you know, were, were up to making some rougher choices he mm. would do that but he did it with an honor and dignity john he never never um hurt anyone's feelings he mm. simply um got to understand what was going on and then maybe after the consequence his intervention would be more from a psychological or um helpful uh, approach that makes sense yeah it does it does make sense uh that's I, that's wonderful kind kindness with strength is a is a lovely way to put that I have to ask you about boards because I think it's a really unique relationship for leaders who are in a position like you're in where you're working with a board and there may be people out there who haven't had a role like that yet. Uh, but I, I think there are some unique challenges in that sort of role. So I'm interested to know what you've learned so far from working with three boards about how to lead up really, really well to a board. What are some keys you would say to listeners who might be in a position where they have a board and they're trying to navigate that and, and improve or know that that's the sort of role one day they might like to step into and uh, just want to lean in and find out how do you lead up well to a board? All right, thank you. First, uh, know your own core values, know thyself and really 
accept yourself for who you are and understand your quirks and your personality and your idiosyncrasies may not work everywhere, but they're definitely going to work somewhere. So don't change or pretend to change who you are, what you are and who and what you believe in to simply get the job because that's not going to work. You want to find a board that accepts and embraces and is interested in and respects your personality, your quirks, your idiosyncrasies, and most importantly, your core values. Always adhere to your core values. Mm -hmm. um, so in order to figure that out together, you've got to really communicate. And, and the, the best initial communication involves your ears, uh, not your mouth. <laughs> so, you know, really listen and listen with the heart to what the questions are. What are they looking for? What are the profiles of a leader they seek? Uh, look at some school board publications if they're live on, on YouTube or TV, or, you know, you can read their minutes to find out how they speak with one another. Mm. You really have to, to do some research. So number one, never ever compromise your core values. Number two, only and yeah. always truth, honesty, direct communication, truth, honesty, direct mm. communication, always and, all, and only you are a member, an eighth member in Illinois of a seven member board. Now, how does that work? Well, seven members are elected. I'm the appointed one or the soups, the appointed one. Yes. So it's an eight member governance team. Yet your role is different than the other seven. Understand your role, understand your lane and understand their role in their lane. Um, I will tell you very concrete advice is seek the help of an expert consultant who yeah. can help you develop norms, rules, regs and expectations of communication. I've done it three times in three mm. different districts where I was the new soup. Uh, in our state, we have a process with a professional organization that can help. Uh, you know, pe people have these and if you can't find a, a public association, there's private consultants that can do it. But the bottom line is you've got someone who helps facilitate that dialogue with the board about how do you want to be communicated with and how do you expect it? What are the rules and stuff? Then mm. follow up. Hold yourself accountable to them. And most importantly, always present a balanced view when you're recommending anything. Hey, here's what I'm recommending and why. Here are some potential pitfalls. Here are the potential successes I think we're going to get. Here's why we came to this decision. It's a balanced approach. What do you think? And then move forward. No surprises, so on and so forth. But the bottom line is, Jono, to, to close this, never change who you are always be who you are and accept and embrace who you are. And if they accept and embrace you, your relationship will soar. If you think you're going to change them or you'll change for them, you're doomed to failure. <laughs> That's just fantastic. <laughs> I think you said some really key ideas there, but I love that you started with and finished with don't, don't change yourself. You know, even if there's even if there's a place where it's not working for you, there'll be somewhere where it will, and you just got to find the right uh, the right situation where you're able to be yourself, where and and adhere to your own core values, and lead with and to a board, uh, and do that really well. There was great advice in there around bringing in a consultant. Um, I think, I think just setting those norms. Yeah, that was that was. Great, Mike. I, I don't know if I'd um, add anything to that. It was just, it was just too good. Uh, I want to ask you about developing other leaders, enabling others to act, because that's one of the leadership challenge uh, points, isn't it? Enabling others to act and, and developing leaders. How 
How do you do that? And I know that there's a lot of leaders who I work with who go, yeah, I've wanted to do that for 10 years, but I'm really struggling to raise great leaders and, and really enable people in a way that, that, they're, that they're proud of and they're, they can feel a bit stuck. So how do you do that? How do you enable the leaders that you're working with? Okay, thank you for asking. So I believe in structured selection of staff with behavioral dispositional interviews in a structured setting. And I'll, I'll repeat what that means in English in a sec, but that's <laughs> the overall way that I've been doing it and I've been fortunate. So go back to 2005, 2006, I was a principal and then I became the assistant soup for assistant superintendent for personnel services. Briefly, uh, my predecessor, another mentor and great person, Lori McIntyre, she realized that over a four-year period in the district where I was serving with her and she was getting ready to retire, there would be a turnover of 200 teachers in four years. So Lori brought to the organization a consulting group, human capital management group, with whom I'm still um, involved uh, to this day, uh, years and years later. And wow. she had them train us on research-based um, selection of staff. And briefly, if you look at the big five personality theory, John, where all of us exist on a continuum where we're open-mindedness or not, we're agreeable or we're not, we're conscientious or we're not, you know, so on and so forth, that, that, that can be measured. So going back to your question and right now, I teach the leaders with whom I work, uh, building leaders, associate principals or vice principals, principals, directors and such, how to select employees, whether it's frontline support staff or teachers or administrators, everybody, right? Using dispositional selection instruments with a rigid and highly disciplined approach so we develop a shared vocabulary about what excellence is. Flash that forward. I then go beyond the selection of staff. The, the group we work with uh, has, has a formula for um, select, grow, and multiply. So then I put leaders into positions where they know their assets or they know their top talents. And then mm. we focus on talents and we focus on assets, not deficits. Mm -hmm. And that starts to permeate through. And then, John, oh, finally, we measure culture. We measure culture. We measure culture. Staff culture is the adults. Student culture is the kids. And in our public school, family culture is the community. You put all this stuff together and you stay consistent and disciplined. And then you keep elevating the folks around you. So I know that's a lot of stuff and it compresses time, but basically I phone a friend, re re reach out to consultants in human <laughs> capital management, learn how to do it, train the trainer, and then have a relentless pursuit towards excellence focused on research validated uh, tools. Yeah, brilliant. What's So is there a particular research validated tool that you use when you mentioned a few things there around hiring with that sort of continuum, is there a particular tool that you get all potential employees to do that gives you that data? Yes, uh, they, they have like a computerized assessment that helps give us some preliminary data. And then we'll do an in-depth interview asking particular questions, precise questions that are aligned and linked to themes of excellence or talented themes. And mm -hmm. then we compare them to the benchmark of 
you know, thousands or tens of thousands of, 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 of subjects in that. And then we get a general sense and that helps better inform our decision making. And then when it comes to the development of leaders, we help them identify in what areas they're talented in. Not what areas that they're not, but what areas they're talented in yes. to make sure that they're aware of it, they maximize it, and then they can develop teams uh, in their own area that are going to complement what they're good at as opposed to focus on anything net less. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a great approach, and I can hear why that's why that's uh, working and worked so well for you. I, I love that. I love that approach. Uh, there's so much more I want to jump into. So what I'm thinking maybe is. Uh, there's an open invitation for you, Mike. It'd be great to come back and do a second episode, uh, to have you back and do a second episode down the track at some point because I've got about 20 more questions uh, to ask you. So would love to have you back another time if you're keen. Yes, yes. Thank you. I'd be honored to, man. It would be wonderful to come back. Yes. And uh, I just want to give you a chance just to tell people, I know there's going to be a lot of educators um, listening listening in because uh, I – schools the school sector and education is the largest sector that uh, that I work with in clarity and I just know that uh, there'll be a number of educators listening from from all around the world what uh, where can people find you and also just want to give you a chance uh, because I know you've you've written these fantastic books and uh, so where can people find out more about uh, your books and and your content Mike well, I'm grateful for that. I am on Twitter um, at Mike Lubelfeld, just, just my, my name, M-I-K-E-L-U-B-E-L-F-E-L-D. And once a month, the first Wednesday of the month at 7 p.m. Central Time in the U.S., um, my good friend Nick Poliak and I co-moderate a chat on Twitter called hashtag soup chat, S-U-P-T-C-H-A-T. Everybody's welcome on soup chat. We've been doing it since October 2014. Um and on my Twitter profile, I've got a link to my blog, and I would love anybody, whoever wants to just say hello or drop me a line, send me a direct message on Twitter or contact me through my blog. I'd, I'd love to speak with you. And Jono, it's really just been a treat sitting down and talking with you today. I look forward to the next time. Yeah, me too. I, I think I will give you one more chance just because you've uh, you've got so much wonderful <laughs> insight. I feel like some of the things you've <laughs> unpacked and you said it, as you said, one of the things recently, it's like I've just given you, you know, 10 ideas compressed into a couple of sentences. Is there, are there any final thoughts you want to give leaders as we finish up this first conversation, Mike? Uh, listeners, sorry, not readers. Yes. <laughs> hey, they can read it too, right? We can transcribe it. No, <laughs> Jono, I would love to tell, you like that? I we do. need folks to step up and lead, uh, regardless of what what nation we we're, we're in, regardless of what industry we're in. Um, you know, I, I've, I've, I'm really, really uh, favoring public education, of course, because I've devoted three decades to it. But if you're in private education, that's great too. Corporate education, no problem. Whatever it is, lead. You have something to offer, and if you're not sure and you lack a little confidence. Um, join a professional association, find mm. some mentors, get some help. There are so many people out there who want to help you and want to hear from you. Um, and in the schools, we're always looking for folks to, to volunteer and, and help out and offer some advice from their profession. But the bottom line is you can do it and there's the right place for you and the right spot for you. Get to know yourself and be proud of who you are. Um, and I'll tell you, 
you do that and then you're, you're on the road to major success. Yeah, that's wonderful advice. I appreciate you encouraging people. And I, and I always know that when you share something like that, there's, there's always a good chance, um, you know, anecdotally, I just remember chatting with a leader who was really at a point when I was, uh, when I was talking to uh, this leader from, uh, from the US and they were just at a point where they were really thinking of uh, just giving up on leadership because they'd had a, a real, uh, really dramatic and, and uh, challenging season. And we just had this conversation and it was just having that conversation around and just saying to them, you know what, you're, you're, a, you're a good leader and you have great potential. And just because this has been a challenging season doesn't mean, doesn't mean you should give up. You actually, you actually need to take what you've learned here and we need leaders like you who are, who are thinking about that. So I just want to say that uh, to our listeners, I think that'll, really encourage someone who might be on the brink of going, maybe it's not for me uh, to take Mike's advice and to, to step up. We need more great leaders in education and across all sectors who are going to invest in people. And uh, you heard the, you heard the names that Mike mentioned. Um, I think one of them might've been Kevin. And uh, I I just, uh, I loved also uh, the mention of Jim Newland and also the the professor that Mike mentioned. Isn't it amazing that when you come to stories, there are always people in those stories. So go out there and be one of those people who invests in other leaders. Thank you to our listeners. I do appreciate you listening. And don't forget, uh, we have other podcasts at Clarity. There's the John O'White Leadership Podcast, where I just give you content around, uh, the one I did most recently is Seven Rules uh, for Raising Great Leaders. And uh, there's also the leadership question of the day where I will ask you a different leadership question every day to put a stone in your shoe, so to speak, uh, because growth is never comfortable and just to help you grow as a leader, different question. Uh, But thank you for tuning in. And most of all, once again, a a really big thank you to Dr. Michael Lubelfeld. This has just been a pleasure. I am uh, definitely excited that I got it in there to invite you back for uh, for a second conversation because this has been a joy. And I think I'm going to be ticking over for the rest of the day, thinking of a bunch of the things you've said uh, but thank you so much for your generosity to to come on the podcast and to to share your stories and share your wisdom with us it's been a real pleasure mike thank you john thank you so much and i look forward to our next time best wishes and happy and healthy holiday season to you and yours Well, I hope today's leadership question has helped you in your leadership and put a stone in your shoe. That's what I, that's what I love to say is that my role, I believe, working with leaders is about putting a stone in your shoe. So something you were really comfortable with, now you're walking a little bit uncomfortably going, mm, is there a better way to do this? How do I handle this? And uh, that's because no growth is comfortable. So uh, I hope that's okay. I appreciate you taking the time. I don't take it lightly. And if you are just joining us, then make sure you check out our website, consultclarity.org, consultclarity.org. We have so much free content on there for you, including the seven questions on leadership series. So more than 1,500 leaders around the world, different roles, different sectors have filled out the seven questions on leadership in-depth answers on how they lead, what they've found most challenging, how they structure their time, what book or books have been most significant for them. There is so much gold on there. You could go and and basically live in that part of our website for a few weeks, I think. Uh, So make sure you go and check that out. It's free. 
And hey, we would love to interview you for our uh, seven questions on leadership series. Your leadership based on your, uh, you know, your context, your life and your experience I believe that you can bring something that other leaders can learn from. I, I truly do. And so it's completely free to get involved. It's a great way to give back if you're loving this content. And you can do that by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and then click on the page, fill out the form to express your interest and we can get you going to fill out the seven questions on leadership. We also have a free resource on our website. It's right at the top, consultclarity.org on our homepage and it's called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook with interviews uh, from 10 world-class leaders and it's right there for you to download. It's completely free and awesome resource. It's very popular, so check that out. We also have a daily email and I know that our more than 15,000 leaders who subscribe get a lot of value from that. We highlight the best content from our blogs, from our podcasts, uh, from our books and books we're reading. It also gives you exclusive and limited access and early access to our masterclasses and workshops. So uh, I really try to make it something as helpful and as valuable as possible. That's my commitment. And so go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe if you're interested in all things leadership and you can become part of that community. Now, my gift to you with everything we're doing, particularly with this podcast, the leadership question of the day, is to work really hard to provide uh, the best leadership content to invest in you and your leadership. Your gift to me would be this. If you're finding this helpful, if this helps you in your leadership, then there is something you can do that makes a massive difference. And that is to write a review or rate our content. Wherever you're listening or watching, rate our content, write a review, make sure you subscribe or follow. It might seem small to you to do that, but it adds up and it helps us to help more leaders become the best they can be. It also means a lot to me personally whenever I see you sharing our content, so thank you so much for that. If you do share it on social media, then look for me, John O. White, and try to tag me and look for clarity and tag us. And I promise we are always looking for content shared by our community. When people share our content, we're looking to engage with you. And we, you know, there's also a chance that we may actually share what you write uh, as, a, as a post with our, with our followers. So if you do that, there's a chance you'll be shared as well. Last of all, you can check out my book called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because more than 50% of the leaders I coach, 50% of the sessions, sorry, where I coach leaders, this comes up again and again and again. And it's leaders saying, Jono, how do I deal with this difficult person? Or how do I deal with this person? And I'm finding it so difficult. We're just on a different wavelength. And that's because difficult conversations are uh, difficult. And I find this is one of the biggest challenges for leaders in the world today. And that's where Step Up or Step Out is a three-step process to help you deal well with difficult people. Uh, I really believe it's a book that can help you in your leadership. So go and check that out. It's on Amazon, Step Up or Step Out, John O. White, uh, if you just look that up. Or go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and you can get it there. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode of the Leadership Question of the Day next time. I hope today has helped you take another step towards becoming everything you're meant to be. We'll see you next time.